And I, I'm going to speak about Sabbath as a spiritual discipline. And I guess that one of the reasons that we wouldn't be putting uh, our sword, or one of the reasons that our sword would go rusty, would be a simple matter of not having the time to read the Bible or not making the time. So in that context, Sabbath seems really important because the heart of Sabbath is ordering our lives around God's agenda and ordering our lives around God's principles. God's principles of six days for work and one day to rest. And I think if we can if we can crack that, if we can get that in our lives, then the rest of our uh, the rest of our time could also come into the right order, so that we would have time for what is most important. So Sabbath, Sabbath is a day of rest. It's it's not like a day off, and um, because on your day off you could knit to IKEA, but this is different. Sabbath is different. Sabbath is a withdrawal from from all of that and withdrawal from all all things in life but rest and worship sabbath is rest and worship so just a quick show of hands who practices sabbath who who has the practice of sabbath in their life one day a week to rest no one okay i'm glad we can talk about this i know some people are already joking okay um who has in the past felt compelled to practice Sabbath and maybe even um, establish the practice in your life and in your family, but then it's not happening at the moment. Anyone done it in the past and then it's not happening now? And then um, who's never thought about Sabbath? It's never even dawned on them to, to have Sabbath. Okay, who, would, who thinks actually a day of rest once a week, who would actually like to practice Sabbath and think that sounds like a really good idea for me and my house? Yes. Okay. Well, let's think about why we Sabbath, first of all. So the word Sabbath means to cease or to stop or to rest. And uh, the first time you see it is in Genesis 2. Genesis 2. Verses two to three. On the seventh day, having finished his task, God rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. So God's work was creation and he worked for six days and then he rested. No more output on the seventh day. On all the other days, there was a lot of output, as we saw from Joy's picture. There was fishes, moons, stars, flowers, animals, a lot of output for six days. On the seventh day, there was no more output. God rested. And then he instituted it as a commandment to his people. As he brought his people out of slavery in Egypt, and into the wilderness, and as he was um, teaching them how they were going to be a community that, that worshipped him, he gave them ten commandments, and this is one of the commandments. Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, a commandment. Up there with murder, don't murder. I mean, none of you would dream of murdering, would you? I hope not. 
but we, we all compromise the Sabbath. It's such a, an easy commandment to compromise. You know, I think we would say like, yeah, no, I don't lie. I, don't, I wouldn't, I would never commit adultery. I'd never murder someone. I wouldn't worship any other gods. But Sabbath seems to, I don't know, it gets um, dissolved somehow, even though it's in there in God's top 10. So, um, Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Holy is set apart. The Sabbath day is set apart. Six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and for regular work. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work, including you, your sons, your daughters, your servants, your livestock, or any foreigners living among you. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, and then he rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So that was the commandments given in Exodus. And God said, I had a day of rest, so you have a day of rest. So it's established by God, and we are following God's pattern. And then again, the commandments are given again in Deuteronomy 5. And Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 to 15 again, it says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So you set it apart. And... Um, as the Lord has commanded you, six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your housework, no one in your household may do any kind of work, including you, your sons, your daughters, your servants, your animals, or any foreigners. You must all rest. And then he says this, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out with amazing power and mighty deeds. That is why the Lord, your God, has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. So we Sabbath because no one should be a slave and no one should be a slave driver. That's God's heart for humanity. No slaves and no slave drivers. So our culture, I feel, tends to lean towards being busy, 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 productive, 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 need to accomplish things, need to accomplish things, need to produce things, and I'm busy, busy, busy. Adults are like it, and so are kids. Kids are busy, 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 need to be busy, need to produce things and be productive, and kids, you need to accomplish something. It's just in our culture, it's just how we are. I'm sure most of you can identify with that. So I was thinking about my Wednesdays before lockdown. Um, my Wednesdays, I used to get up at 6, have a shower, get ready, meet Rich and Anthony at Pray at 7am, dash home, take Ollie to work, or if I didn't have to take Ollie to work, rush into the office and do some admin, catch up on some emails. 8.30, I'd meet Joy and we would chat for 45 minutes. 9.15, I'd have a staff meeting with all the staff where we'd talk business. When that happened, me and Rich would meet and we'd talk business. Then sometimes we'd have a CTL meeting with all the other leaders in the area or Rich and I would meet up with individual people to do pastoral stuff. 4 p.m., I'd dash home, go to the shops, get some food in, have dinner, deal with Ollie and Abby, connect with them, try and talk to them both, you know, 
do a good job with them. Then at seven o'clock, rush back to the hall. We'd have a home group meeting with the group called Alliance. And then that would end at about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I'd get home. And in between all of that, I guarantee you that I would have probably sent and received over 100 WhatsApp messages. I probably would have connected at least 30 or 40 different people through WhatsApp or text messages. I would have responded to emails, read emails, and I would have probably looked at the news all, all in a day. And when I look at that, I think my poor little brain, like, whoo! And I'm sure most of you can totally relate to my Wednesdays and having days like that. I would say that I had no margin on that day. I don't know where on earth I was meant to fit in time to wield my sword, pray, be, you know, just be a human being. But anyway, here is a fact. This is an absolute fact. There is enough time in your life to do everything that God wants you to do. However many years he gives you, each of us have 24 hours in a day and there is enough time in all of our lives to do what God wants us to do. Is everyone on mute? I can hear some like cooking and spluttering. Um, but the problem is, so there's enough time to do what God wants us to do, but the problem is there are pressures on us, okay? So there are pressures to meet the, the financial demands that we have in our lives, you know, to pay the bills, to pay, you know, whatever our outgoings are, there is a pressure to meet our financial outgoings. There is a pressure on us to do what other people expect us to do. And I often feel that pressure. What does someone else expect me to do in this, in this instance? So what are you expected to be at? Who are you expected to see in a week? Who are you expected to find? Who are you expected to visit? What events are you expected to be part of? Because there is stuff going on every day, all the time every evening, every weekend, that you are probably expected by someone to be at, or someone wants to see you, or someone wants to meet up with you, or someone wants you to go somewhere to do something. So there's a pressure of financial demands, a pressure of what other people expect us to do. And then there's a good old-fashioned pressure of what we push ourselves to do. You know, within, within many of us, definitely within me, there is an expectation, I have an expectation of myself to be productive. And it makes me feel better about myself. But God says, take a day and stop. I think there's like a miraculous currency around time, just like there is around money. So what I mean by that is if you honour God with your finances, so just say, for example, you, you, um, the first 10% of what you have, you tithe to God, we t we t I totally believe, or I say we totally believe as a church, that the 90% that we have left will stretch and we will, never, we will always have everything we need. And the principle is you give to God first. And, I, and I, it has to be the same, it has to be true with time. We honour God with the Sabbath because that's what he's commanded us to do. It's something that's sewn into the fabric of the universe. You work for six days, you rest for one. It's the, it's the order of things. God created order. 
And without it, there's chaos. And in the order of things, God said, you work for six days and you rest for one. I believe that if we honour God with the Sabbath, the rest of our week, we will have ample time to do what God wants us to do. So the first time the Sabbath is actually really spoken about in practice is in Exodus 16, which is even before the commandment was given. And it's in the context of um, the Israelites being fed in the desert where there is no food. And so they're stressing and worrying and complaining. How are we going to eat? We might as well have stayed in Egypt. At least we weren't starving in Egypt. And God says, listen, I'm going to provide you. I'm going to feed you. And he sends manna to the, to the desert every day. But look at, look, how it, look at the wranglings with the people over the provision and over resting and doing things God's way. So if we look at Exodus 16 from verse 21, it says, so the, the manna came every morning and it says, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. So it, you went out as a family and got enough manna uh, as much as you needed. And as the sun became hot, the food that I had not picked up melted and disappeared. But listen to this. On the sixth day, there was twice as much as usual. God provided twice as much as usual because there was something very important happening the next day, very important to God. So on the sixth day, there was twice as much as usual on the ground, four quarts for each person instead of two. The leaders of the people came to Moses and asked, why has this happened? So Moses, like, there's double the amount of manna today. What's going on? And Moses says, the Lord has appointed tomorrow as a day of rest, a holy Sabbath, so a day set apart to the Lord. On this day, we will rest from our normal daily tasks. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. So the next morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good with no maggots and no odour. And the reason it says that is because Previously, some people had gathered more manna than they needed. You know, they'd hoarded some away or just hauled that, just might need that. And then when they woke up the next morning, it was rotten and full of maggots. So it's like, ah, oh, there's a lesson there somewhere too. But anyway, so on the Sabbath day when they woke up, the food was wholesome and good without maggots or odour. And Moses said, this is your food for today. For today is the Sabbath to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. Gather the food for six days, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground for you all that day. Now, the message from Moses is crystal clear. There will be no food for you on the Sabbath day. There is no output from God. God is not providing for you on the Sabbath day. And then you find some people went out anyway to gather food. <laughs> Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we live like that? Why are we out gathering food on the Sabbath? It's a human condition that we can see dates back to the Israelites in the wilderness. God said, I'm going to give you what you need on the sixth day so that on the seventh day you rest. Everyone got that. Don't go out and gather food on the Sabbath. There won't be any. Everyone got that. Yes, Moses, we've all got it. So there'll be no food out there on the Sabbath. Everyone got that? Yes, Moses, we've got it. And then they wake up on the Sabbath. I, went, I wonder how it went down. Do you think some wives went to the husband and said, can I see if there's anything out there? Go on, just go and check, just in case we run out. 
I don't know. But they went out to find food on the Sabbath and there wasn't any. How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? The Lord asked Moses. Do they not realise I have given them the seventh day, the Sabbath, as a day of rest? That is why I give you twice as much food on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must stay in your places. Do not pick up food from the ground on that day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So it's, it's perfection, isn't it? God gives us everything we need to do his will. If we are doing what God has asked us to do, we will lack nothing. Sixth day, twice as much, so you can rest on the seventh. So let's try and apply that principle to our lives today. God wants us to stop and rest. He will provide. We don't need to be more productive. We need to rest and trust. Okay, so what if we decide that we will? So I will Sabbath. I will have a Sabbath. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will have a Sabbath. I will obey this commandment. This is why it's a discipline. This is why we put it in the list of spiritual disciplines because it is so easy to compromise. It is so easy. If you want to keep a Sabbath church of the 2020 year, you will need to be disciplined because let me let you into a little secret. The rest of the world isn't resting. The rest of the world will carry on as normal. Amazon will not shut down on your Sabbath, nor will Ikea. Okay, so we have to be disciplined. We have to say, no, I am Sabbathing, Shabbatin, and that's it. And in uh, the book of Nehemiah, so just a quick context, the Israelites have been exiled because they continually refused to obey the Lord's commandments. But now the Lord is bringing them back. And there's a whole thing there about the land not having a Sabbath day fold. Because <laughs> the, the, the Israelites were commanded to also give the land a Sabbath, but they didn't. So he exiled them because he wanted payback for the Sabbaths anyway. That's on a whole nother deep one. But the people had come back to Jerusalem. Nehemiah was their leader and he'd built up the walls. And the people had made a vow. And again, they'd come to God to make the covenant that they will obey him. And one of the things that they promised to do, Lord, we promise we will keep the Sabbath. Not like our ancestors who didn't keep the Sabbath. We promise we will keep the Sabbath. And anyway, what does Nehemiah find? Uh, oh yeah, they said, we promise to obey the commandments, we won't do any trading on that day. So part of Sabbath is no buying and selling, no trading, no commerce, no output. And this is what happens to Nehemiah, the leader of the people. One Sabbath day, I saw some men of Judah treading their wine presses. They were bringing in bundles of grain and loading them on their donkeys. And on that day, they were bringing in their wine, their grapes, their figs, and all sorts of produce to sell in Jerusalem. I rebuked them for selling produce on the Sabbath. 
There were also some men from Tyre bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise. They were selling it on the Sabbath to the people of Jerusalem. To, sorry, to the people of Judah and in Jerusalem at that. So I confronted the leaders of Judah. Why are you profaning the Sabbath in this evil way? Wasn't it enough that your ancestors did this sort of thing so that our God brought the present troubles upon us and our city? Now you are bringing even more wrath upon the people of Israel by permitting the Sabbath to be desecrated in this way. I commanded from them, from then on, on that the gates of the city should be shut as darkness fell on Friday evening and not to be opened until the Sabbath ended. So Nehemiah, he couldn't just trust the people not to buy and sell. He had to uh, police them. You know, he had to command that the gates of the city were shut so traders wouldn't come in. But look what happened when he commanded that the gates of the city were shut. And he sent some of his servants to guard the gates so that no merchandise could be brought in on the Sabbath day. And so the merchants and the tradesmen with a variety of wares camped outside Jerusalem. <laughs> so it's like, this illustrates to me how much of a discipline the Sabbath has to be. Because even if you decide, right, our family, we're having a Sabbath. I'm locking that front door. I'm confiscating everyone's iPhones. Still, the tradesmen of the cities the world will still be knocking at your door wanting you to buy, wanting you to sell, wanting you to consume, wanting you to accomplish, wanting you to produce, wanting you to produce some sort of output because that's how the world is. The men of Tyre are sleeping at the gate waiting for you to open it so you can just buy something or sell something. That's how the world carries on and that's why the Sabbath has to be a discipline. You have to make a decision in your heart that you're going to Sabbath because like I said, Amazon will still be available with one click. So Nehemiah told them to go away. He told the, the merchants to, what are you doing here camping around the wall? If you do this again, I will arrest you. So we have to be really strong with the well that wants us to not have a Sabbath, just like Nehemiah was strong. And that was the last time that they came on the Sabbath. They didn't turn up after that. So we have to be like Nehemiah, and be ruthless. If we're going to have a Sabbath, we have to lock the gates of the city and anyone that tries to come and camp out by the gate and sell us stuff, we have to say, get away, otherwise I will arrest you. Okay, we have to fight against our materialistic and consumer culture because that is the culture that we're totally immersed in. So that's why we should take Sabbath. Let me just say a couple of things about how we can take Sabbath. Um, firstly, I would encourage you to take an inventory of your routine and your family's routine and think, right, let's have a look at this routine. What are we doing that we need to stop doing? What's driving us? What do we need to change? That's the first thing, just to look at your whole, your routine as a whole and think how things need to change. And then... Choose a 24-hour period within your week, and I would really encourage you to do this with your household, with your family, with your children. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that if you manage to crack this, it will be the most enjoyable, best, awesomest day of your family's week. Sorry, that's where really put coffee under my bed. So choose a 24-hour period to stop and to rest to rest your body, to rest your mind, 
and to delight and to worship. Um, Jewish people obviously calculate their day from evening to evening. So that's, that's quite awesome in itself. But if you can stop one evening, disconnect yourself, put all your mobile phones, iPads, computers, everything away, turn them off, and then go through to the following evening, a 24-hour period of stopping, resting, delighting and worshipping. So uh, you could think of a ritual to start your Sabbath. For example, you could uh, sit down and take communion. That's whether you're doing it on your own or whether you're doing it in the family. You could have a meal, like an awesome meal, something that you really love, food that you find really delicious. You could light a candle, you could read a psalm, you could pray, you could listen to a certain song, not on your phone because it would be turned off in a cupboard. But yeah, you can think of a ritual to start your Sabbath and really just breathe into it. As a, it, it when, you, when you have been living at a different pace of life, it's, it's sometimes actually, um, it's like we're addicted to being busy and I'm definitely addicted to my phone. So sometimes there can be a bit of a withdrawal going on until you're really well practiced in the Sabbath. So yeah, a routine to just get you into it. So you, and tell yourself, Tell yourself, I am now on my Sabbath. And then focus on the Lord. And just for, for what you do in those 24 hours, what is deeply restful for you? Sleeping, obviously. What brings delight? And what worshipful ways can you connect with God so that you can spend that Sabbath connected to God? And then at the end of the 24 hours, you can think of a ritual to finish um, a walk around the block, a, a list of 10 things that you're grateful for, something to finish. So there's obviously lots more about the detail of Sabbath. But I think the most important thing is that we, we have that strong conviction that it's something to institute in our lives. And then God will help us with the detail. So I will leave it there.